Welcome to Life Changing Money, a podcast all about one of the most taboo topics in the world, money. I'm your host, Barbara Shrehan, and we're going behind the scenes on business owners' journeys to money, success, and wealth. Let's get started. Hello, and today we have an amazing guest, Allie Daniel. She is an amazing coach and one of our awesome clients, and I'm so excited to have her today. Hello. Hi, I'm very excited to be here. (laughs) Thank you for taking the time. I know you just got back from a vacation, but just to let you guys know who Allie Daniel is, she is the founder of Punch Drunk Soul, and Mm -hmm. she teaches coaches, how to be even more amazing coaches. And you've helped hundreds of them, maybe Mm -hmm. even thousands. Um, But she also loves to help overwhelmed coaches as many of us can be and get. So welcome. Keep it simple. Yeah, exactly. I really like to help keep things simple. Um, We work with our coaches all around really growing their businesses in the most aligned um, way. So it's been a lot of fun. I can't believe it's already been five years and here we are today. Like like you said, helping honestly thousands. We've helped thousands of women through our like free content and then hundreds through our um, paid programs. So what made you start that five years ago? I love this question. So uh, I got really, really sick with like an autoimmune disease um, when I was in my mid twenties and it caused me to just kind of like, well, it dragged me to rock bottom first of all. And then it caused me to really reflect on my life and my choices and just everything that was happening. And I realized that I really wasn't living in alignment with my truest self. And so I really had to figure out who that was. And so through part of kind of that like excavation process, I figured out that I'd always wanted to work for myself and be an entrepreneur, but I, I never felt good enough or smart enough to do it. And so I always felt like it was like other, other people could do that, but I, I wasn't good enough or like I said, smart enough to do that. And after hitting a rock bottom being sick, I was like, I have nothing to lose. Like I'm just going to go for it. And so that was what kind of led me here. And, um, I've always loved helping people. Uh, when I was little, I wanted that to be my job, but then I realized that like, there wasn't really a career path that could like give back to people and make a lucrative amount of money, at least not none that I really saw. And um, so when coaching kind of came about in my world, I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually it. And so um, I started to coach people around starting their own businesses and then niche down kind of after a few months to like service-based entrepreneurs, which makes a lot of sense for me with my, like, I love helping people. So that would make sense. And then I niched down further once I started getting a lot of coaches into our programs and just be like, coaches are where it's at. Coaches are changing the world. And I just really feel like we're here. Coaches are really making a big impact in the world. And so I love supporting coaches and being able to make that impact. So kind of how I got here. That's amazing. So what was like the first service that you offered? Um, the first service I offered was public relations. Um, so this was my first business attempt was doing like PR. Cause that was my background for a few years prior was doing public relations. So I tried that. It was okay. Like I was good at it, but it was kind of like pulling teeth. I didn't really enjoy the work that I was doing, um, on my own doing the freelancing. And then, um, I went into building WordPress websites for people. Cause I was like, I really loved building my own WordPress. So let me try my hand at that. And 
again, I was pretty good at it, but oh man, I did not like that either. So those were my first two attempts. They only lasted like a few months each, I think. And then eventually I landed on like, well, let me try and turn my blog into my business. And there's a lot of people teaching you how to do that. I was trying my hand at it, but it just really didn't feel like the right fit. Plus like putting in so much time and effort and energy into writing free content and creating free stuff just to have like oh, a few more people traffic to your website, you know, it was not really like, wasn't feeding me um, as much as I was feeding out. So I was getting burnt out from that. And so that's when I kind of figured out, okay, there has to be an easier way to monetize my passions. And that's when I kind of found coaching. And that's also when I hired my first business coach where I was like, I'm done trying to do it on my own. I'm done trying to figure it out. I just really want help. I want the steps. Somebody just show me exactly what they did. I'm willing to put in the work. I just needed to know the steps. So that was kind of, uh, yeah, my first big investment that I made. And where does the name Punch Drunk Soul come from? <laughs> I also love this question. So great <laughs> questions. Um, so Punch Drunk Soul is um, really meaningful to me because when I got sick, I felt like my soul had just become punch drunk. It had been like hit and hit up to, like on the head so many times that it didn't know right from down or up from down, right from left. And so I just felt really like discombobulated and I love boxing. I used to box for hours a day, like five days a week. I was like, I don't know what I was training for, but maybe I thought I was going to do something special with it. Eventually I actually had a little amateur fight and discovered I did not want to pursue that. As a wow. I know kind of crazy. So that was intense for me. And I realized, okay, let's, let's just do this as a fun hobby. Um, so anyway, like punch drunk is a term from boxing. And so I kind of combined the punch drunk soul aspect and that's kind of how it came to be. I would not take you for a boxer. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, I don't think many people would. My my boss would, uh, not my boss, my coach um, would always call me, what did he call me? Like a, a boss babe um, or like a corporate girl. And um, yeah, I mean, I was working at the time. He's like, you can't go into work with like bruises on your face. And I was like, no, you're right. I can't. So maybe this isn't the right <laughs> yeah, path. Um, so I just kept doing it more for fun. Do you do those like, kickboxing classes at all now or what do you do now I know it's kind of sad because now when I go to a boxing class I'm kind of like like they're just not it's it's a little bit more like upbeat and like kind of dancey which I also like that's fun but it doesn't actually give me the um, intensity that I, I used to get doing more like um, I love hitting mitts um, so if if a, if a class has like trainers holding mitts. I will love it. If it's like just hitting a bag, I get a little bored, but I do really like the kickboxing classes. Cause that's new for me. I'm not a kickboxer. So learning that and having fun kicking a bag, I, I do enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> so back to coaching. Yes. <laughs> what, what are like your top tips that you have for coaches? Oh man, so many. It depends on obviously where you're starting. Um, for brand new coaches, like the biggest, the hardest part of getting your business started is actually starting it. So I think like bite the bullet and just start it because that's the hardest part. Most people don't even get over that hump. So whatever you need to do to find the confidence and the courage to start, do it. Um, it could be, I had a client recently tell me she was going to have her um, husband press send on an email that was going out to like friends and family because she was too nervous to send it. I was like, 
whatever you need to do. If he needs to press the button, like let it happen. Yeah. Um, I know for, for myself and many of our clients, like finding a support group is one of the best ways to find that confidence and courage. So whether it is a paid program that you do, like make sure it has some sort of community aspect. I feel like that's really, really important for um, entrepreneurs is having community because especially with the online space, we're doing things all alone most of the time. And that can be super isolating, but also we get in our own heads about what we're doing wrong or are we doing good enough? Are we doing enough? And um, we can often like sink into our, you know, disappointments and failures and, we don't have to, like we can go and talk to other people who are going through the same thing and then they can really lift us back up. So I think community support is also just really, really huge and very underestimated. Mm. Um, I know all of our clients, when they graduate our programs are like, the sisterhood was what was missing. I had no idea that that was the thing that was actually going to drive me to, you know, take big action and get out of my comfort zone. But that was the thing. So um, I do think, like I said, that community support is probably really, really key, no matter where you're at in your business. Yeah, for sure. And what about like more established coaches? Do you help more established coaches too? Yeah, we do. So we actually have our mastermind, which is um, Scale with Soul, which is helping like established coaches scale their business with um, that alignment and that piece that making sure that their strategy really connects back to who they are, because there's so many strategies out there um, and they all actually work. That's the crazy thing is sometimes they just won't work for you. So you really have to figure out like what strategy aligns most with you and your energy and your personality. Um, So that's, I think that's the big, it's a huge reason why established coaches find it hard to scale is because they try one strategy for a little bit. It either doesn't work. So they like are like, well, that one doesn't work. So let me try this one. Well, that one doesn't work. So let me try this one. And they're constantly chasing a new strategy and not actually giving one the time that it needs to thrive. Um, Cause the truth is in order to grow your business, you have to learn how to master your skills as a business owner. And part of that mastery is the marketing and the actual strategy of enrolling clients. And so if you don't give, the strategy enough time to get practice at it, then none of the strategies are going to work for you. So the first is like, try a strategy, go all in with it. I like to say like a minimum of three months, really like executing it the way your coach would tell you, like, these are the steps. And then um, if that's still not working, like then it's time to figure out, well, is this strategy aligned with me or is there something different? Like, do I need to tweak it? Or is there a different strategy that would work? But I would say the main thing is don't just jump around because it doesn't work the first time or the first couple of times. I try a strategy and it doesn't work the first time. You know, I'm spending right now, we're implementing a new strategy in our business and it's been four weeks and it's just now starting to show us results. Now we're going to be able to scale it, but we still probably won't see the optimum results for another like six to eight weeks. So that's about three months um, time that we've committed to this new strategy. So give it that time that it deserves before you go jumping around to the next one. Don't go chasing, you know, the, the magic bullet because there really isn't one. Yeah, for sure. So let's dive into some money stuff. Do you remember growing up some like money mindset issues from parents or relatives or kind of things that stuck with you through adulthood? Yeah, definitely. I've done a lot of work on my money mindset. So I, I've recognized that, um, in childhood, like I have amazing parents. I have two moms by the way, and they're just like 
classes. They've like saved really well for retirement. They've got such a like nice life. I'm like, I want to retire like that. But anyway, like regardless of how great your parents are, we still grow up with stories about money or work. And I know one of the ones um, that I just got really ingrained was that like money's hard to make and you have to work really, really hard to make good money. And so um, I remember when I was first starting my business, I was like, why isn't it working? Like, why can't I get it going? And I was working with the coach at the time, uh, with a coach at the time, and we were doing some deep money mindset work. And some of those um, limiting beliefs kind of came to the surface. And I realized, okay, well, I've got this like opposing belief in my head that money is really hard to make. And I've also got this belief in my head that if I work really hard, I'm going to get burnt out and get sick again. So I had those, like, they were like totally, uh, sabotaging my success. Right. So, um, I did do some work on that and obviously have had some success breaking through those. So I don't feel any longer that money is hard to make. Like I've gotten to the place where like money does feel really easy to make and it's fun and work doesn't have to be hard and stressful. Um, so it's definitely a big shift. Um, and it didn't happen overnight or anything, you know, it did take some repetition and time and patience, but, um, yeah, so that's kind of, I think, Money's hard to make and um, you have to work really hard to make money was probably the two big ones that I grew up with. And then when you were making that switch from corporate to owning your own business, do you remember any hurdles there in terms of like worth or? Yeah, um, I mean, I would definitely say I, especially in the beginning, I attached my worthiness and value as a person to the business. And if the business was doing well, then that made me, you know, like worthy and valuable. And, um, if I, if it wasn't, then, um, that made me feel like ashamed of myself at the core that I wasn't good enough. Um, and so that definitely, I also had to do some work around that. Um, because, if we attach our worthiness, you know, to our businesses, then we're never going to be fulfilled. There's always going to be more um, to do and more to achieve. And it's never going to satisfy that worthiness. Um, But I also remember um, that transition to entrepreneurship from corporate feeling like it was a big risk um, to me. And this is, I hear all the time from my clients of like, well, my job is stable and entrepreneurship is risky. And uh, I used to believe that. And there's, of course, parts of it that that ring true, right? You're getting the steady paycheck without having to go out and find your own clients. But in reality, like you are getting a paycheck for the work that you're doing. If you stop doing the work, you're, you won't get the paycheck any longer, at least after a few weeks, like that won't work. <laughs> like there is obviously still an exchange, like you're still putting in the work to get that money in. So it's really the same thing. Like you're going to put in work and you're going to get money in. Um, and plus, like, I think we've all seen with COVID that our jobs really are not as stable as we all think they are. We are replaceable in like the drop of a hat and they can find somebody else immediately to fill your space and, um, you'll be left without anything. So I think it's more important now than ever to like start creating a side hustle and start having, multiple streams of income because you don't know when that is going to be taken away. And so many jobs are now getting replaced by technology. Even I heard like robots are starting to do the chips at Chipotle now. And like, <laughs> it just, 
like, yeah, things are changing. And so I think having your own business is the most secure thing that you can do for your future. Um, so yeah, even though there's this idea that it's riskier, it may feel riskier in the short term, but in the long run, it's actually more stable and more secure for your income and wealth and finances. Yeah, for sure. So now that you're a super successful <laughs> business owner, is there a new like money mindset hurdle that you're that you recognize or trying to work through? Yeah, I think for us, um, I have noticed trying we're we're working towards hitting the million dollar year right now. And um I do feel like there's it's I have a little bit of like I'm tr- I have that feeling of I need to work harder, more needs to happen in order to get there. So I have actually been doing work myself like currently as we speak um, (laughs) on on that, not necessarily a block, but um, yeah, just doing that inner work to really like open up and expand and recognize that um, it can also flow easily. And that $500,000 is not so different than a million dollars in a year. Um, and I know people are gonna be like, what? That's, that's like double the amount. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's really not, honestly, it's not that different after you hit over like a couple hundred thousand to get to that next leap. Um, so I think for me, it's kind of more, um, like setting those expectations around how I need to show up in the business, um, and getting some structure as well around like my team. Um, cause I think that's the biggest thing in scaling to that next level is making sure that I've got the team in place. Um, because otherwise like I will have to work harder because I won't have people doing it, you know, more for me. Yeah. So when you mentioned like hitting that million dollar mark and working the mindset work around it. What does the work mean? Like mm-hmm. what are the tactics that you're using? I'm actually doing? Yeah. So, um, I really love the work of Byron Katie. Um, so she, uh, takes this process, like she calls inquiry work and it's essentially like examining your thoughts and beliefs and just asking yourself, like, is this really true? And that can often just create a lot more spaciousness around it. Like this idea, I know a lot of our, our clients will come to us like, um, no one's going to pay for this <laughs> or um, like people won't find me credible. And so just taking a simple belief or a thought like that and, and pausing before you just move on with your life and pausing and really asking, is this true? Can I know like beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's actually the truth? And my, my spin on it is like, does everyone in the world believe this? Um, and if not everyone in the world believes it, then it can't be a fact. You don't know it to be a fact. So we can like start to poke holes in that argument. Um, so it's like this slow unraveling process of, is this really true? How does it make me feel? How am I showing up when I buy into this thought or belief? And then if I, if I know that it isn't true, what might be true for me? Like what, what could I start to shift into that feels just as true, but more supportive for, you know, where I want to get to and what my goals are. Um, so the inquiry work is really powerful for me. I do, um, especially when I was just starting my business, I did like, I took one belief every day and ran it through the inquiry work. It took like five minutes. It's not crazy work, but that consistency over time really paid off. So that's what I'm kind of starting to do again with this next like leap that I'm, I'm making. And um, so that's one piece. Uh, and then another piece is meditation. And the meditation really helps me create that distance between myself as the thinker of the thoughts and just having the thoughts kind of run on autopilot. Um, and then the last piece I would say that I'm using the most is inner child work. 
I love inner child work. I think it is uh, one of the most powerful practices for us to heal like all of our blocks, our traumas, our um, issues really. And it's this like, it's a simple practice of like reparenting and, and nurturing yourself. Um, I like, I believe that there's this part of us um, that is like our child self or our limited self that exists within us. And then there's also this higher self or our soul self, the part of us that's connected with God or the universe or source, whatever, you know, you tend to believe in. Um, and so there's these two parts of us that are constantly <laughs> taking the driver's seat. And a lot of times when we have fear or resistance come up, not a lot of times, but every time fear and resistance comes up, that's our inner child. It's like this limited fear-based part of us. And then we have our soul self or our higher self, which is again, this part of us that's connected with joy, love, ecstasy, like safety, comfort. And it never feels fear or resistance. It's always like, oh, life is good. (laughs) So um, the more we can let our inner child, like the more we can let her or him (laughs) share or they (laughs) what is going on for them, like the more and, and listening to them and nurturing them and loving them and giving them what they need. The, the more that fear just goes away, the less resistance we have and the more we can just move through powerfully in our lives. So um, it's like a really simple practice of like, I like to put my hands on my heart and just kind of visualize myself as a child and have her just share like the fears, like whatever fears are happening, having her share them and then um, just kind of loving up on her the way that a mom would to her child, like holding her and hugging her and, and asking her to tell me more and asking her what she needs from me to feel safe or to feel loved. And then often it's just something as simple as like, I really need a hug or tell me, you know, that you love me or that you'll never leave me. And so I do that. And then it's like, all right, all is good again. So um, it can sound a little like woo woo, but (laughs) if you talk to any therapist, they'll be like, yeah, that's good work. (laughs) Keep doing that. Yeah. Um, So that's been really like really powerful and life-changing to be honest for me. And are you like audibly saying these things when you're doing it or is it more like it's yeah it's usually just in my head um yeah I would say 95 percent of the time it's in my head um there's been times when like I remember back when I was first like battling those big money beliefs when I was early on in my business like times when it was like a snotty mess like I'd be like crying and just like breaking down and having to like hold myself through those moments and so that was a little bit you know more audible maybe um but for the most part now it's a lot more calm and not as dramatic I've like overcome the big things and now it's it's like it's just easier it doesn't it's not as hard and difficult the challenges and the resistance is like just I'm able to move through it a lot more easily now. So, but there were times when it was very loud. <laughs> yeah. And the inquiry, I can't say that word, inquiry <laughs> work. <laughs> do you write that out or do you just kind of talk it out? I usually write it out. And um, I think that's what most like mindset coaches would tell you to do is actually to write it out because the mind can play tricks on us. And if we are just thinking, um, you know, these the thoughts and phrases and, and asking ourselves these questions in our minds, that's still helpful. Like I do that throughout the day. Um, randomly I'll be thinking something, Oh, I can't afford that. I'm like, wait, that's not true. I just choose not to. So like something like that, I'll just do in my head quickly. But if I'm like really taking the time to be intentional about, okay, let's take this. I've got like, I'll tell my clients, like write down all of the things that you think are going to prevent you from 
getting, hitting your goal or anything that's going to stop you, any fears, any resistance. And they'll write down this like 15, 20 things. I'll tell them like, take one of those per day and do the inquiry work by writing it out. Like you write the thought you write, is this really true? Can I know this to be true? Um, and then, you know, how's this making me feel? How do I show up? Um, uh, if it's not true, like, what is that? Like, what is something that I do believe that would really support me? And then how does that thought make me feel? So yeah, each, each of those I would write down. Nice. And, <laughs> and as a coach, how do you, do you still invest in coaches yourself? Yep. 100%. And, <laughs> and how do you pick, like, what's your kind of methodology for who coaches? Yeah. Great question. I talk about this a lot too, because, you know, everyone is curious about how do you find the right coach? And I think the beauty of the coaching industry is that it's unregulated. So you can do whatever you want with your clients and have some really big transformations. Also, there's an ugly side of not being regulated. So so you do have to be really careful with hiring a coach, Um, be really discerning. And I like really harp on this because in any industry, it's not just coaching. So like, this is not a problem specific to the coaching industry, but however, with social media and with the way that things are changing, like it has become really prominent on social media that there's a lot of people out there who are not maybe doing it with the best of intentions. They're not here for the right reasons, as they would say on The Bachelor. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so do be discerning. I like to say, like, do your research, follow somebody for a little while, check out their videos so you can get to know their personality and listen to your intuition. Like if your intuition is like giving you a weird, like "Eh," feeling just move on, move on to the next person. Yeah, Like really trust that. Um, I think we are conditioned not to trust that and look at logically, you know, the outside, but sometimes logically the outside will tell you one thing, but your intuition will tell you another and people can make things up. (laughs) We can make up testimonials. You can make up things. You can make up how much you made. You can forge, you know, amounts. And so like, don't believe everything just blindly, you know, really like go in and, and do your research, watch the videos, trust your intuition. And I always like to say, like, try to find clients of theirs, especially if they're giving testimonials and they have like a, a um, an Instagram account or a website, like reach out to them. Yeah. Yeah. How was your experience? Like, what did you think? Tell me about it. And hopefully they'll respond. Not everyone maybe does, but if they have, you know, if they're kind enough, maybe they will. Um, but yeah, try to like speak to one of their clients and actually get their personal experience so that you can get somebody's firsthand account of working with them. So that's what I would say. Trust your intuition, try to find people who've actually gone through the program or worked with that coach and talk to them. Um, and don't believe everything you read online. Um, yeah go both ways you know it can go in the way of like don't just believe when people are posting testimonials like oh okay that must be true and also don't just if you read a bad review about a coach like look into it you know don't just go oh that coach must suck because the truth is like everyone's going to have a different experience with, with the coach and sometimes people will get triggered for things that other people wouldn't get triggered by so at the same time like trust yourself do the research and don't just believe everything you read blindly. Such good advice. There's so much misinformation (laughs) online these days. Kind of like you said with the regulation or deregulation, it's the same with like information online too. It's so true. You can (laughs) just read something on a website and it could be absolutely false, but people are like, oh, well, it's on this website. So right. 
No. <laughs> and did I just see that you got engaged? <laughs> I did. Oh, hey. The yeah. ring shot. You can't see it, but. <laughs> yeah, you can see it. I'm flashing it around. <laughs> I did. Where were you on vacation? Where were you? Yeah, we were in Cape Cod. Um, so his family has been going there for like 38 years since before he was born to the same cottage on the beach in Cape Cod. So it's a really special place to him. Uh, so we went there and. Um, we spent the week with his family there and he took me out for a walk one day and, and proposed on the beach there, which was really nice. I love the beach. I'm such a beach person. So it was really special. And just the two of us on the beach there. And then when we got back to the house, we didn't realize they had caught it all on a drone video, which was insane. Like neither of us knew that they would do that. And they knew it was happening. He told his family, but now we have it on video, which is really special. I didn't Aww. even going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. And is he a business owner? He is. Yeah. So he's actually a business consultant. He's been helping me a lot in my business, actually. <laughs> um, so he recently left his left corporate um, like two years ago and has been doing um, basically business consulting for other online entrepreneurs, like much like myself, who've like um, hit like been successful. Um, so they're creating income, but they are um, wanting to grow the next level, wanting to hire team members and create more systems and efficiency. But don't know how to do that. And so again, he's kind of been helping me do that. And so he's also been helping kind of other online entrepreneurs and coaches do that as well. That's cool. How do you guys approach finances in your relationship? Um, and will it change after you get married? It will definitely change as, as of now we've, we've kept everything separate. We've been, you know, obviously dating. I mean, that's such a like silly word for it. We have been together like five years pretty much now. So mm-hmm. We obviously live together and well, not obviously we live together and um, we essentially just kind of like split things down the middle. We split rent, we split groceries, um, but we don't really think too much about it. Like I'll book a flight and then he'll buy dinner. And, you know, we're not like at the end of the day, like how much do I owe you? Um, (laughs) So I would say like the big things we're splitting, um, like rent and groceries and the bills. um, But then other things are just we'll just pay when we feel like it, whoever wants to do it. But, um, it's not, it's not really one-sided at all. We, we try to keep it pretty equal. Uh, but definitely when we, when we are married, I mean, we still need to have like lots of those discussions, but we have talked about like splitting the finances and like having a joint account where we put some of our income in there. I think we'll still keep um, accounts separate just to like have them, but then also have a joint account where we add that money together um, for more of the uh, combined purchases and things. Do you guys have a retirement plan? I know you guys are so young, but <laughs> oh, as, as the tax coach, I have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's, I mean, he worked in corporate for a long time. So he's got like a pretty robust 401k where his company was adding to it, which is really nice. So he's got that going. And now he's starting to add, you know, to, um, I think he's, what is he adding to? It's like a Roth, I think right now. Um, and then uh, I start like, when I started working for myself, I opened up a Roth as well and was adding the maximum to that every year until I realized I couldn't anymore because the <laughs> income had exceeded it, which I didn't even know that that was possible. <laughs> I didn't really realize there was an income limit. So I might have like accidentally added some at the wrong time. There well, is a way around that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there's something, there's something called a backdoor Roth. Um, and so we can chat about this. Yeah. But- 
<laughs> but just so our listeners know, so when you contribute to a Roth, like Ali mentioned, there's an income limit, but there's something called a backdoor Roth where basically a financial advisor contributes to a non-deductible traditional IRA, lots of words, <laughs> but, and then the next day they can just move it into a Roth for you. Oh, so okay. really silly loophole, but <laughs> it works. No. <laughs> so you oh. can still do a Roth. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's one option. So I could continue adding to that, but then also we've opened up, um, the SCP or SEP and then also a solo 401k. So I'll probably be adding to one or both of those depending on the situation, um, moving forward. So, um, yeah, those are, those are the retirement plans and we still have to kind of figure out exactly how much we want and get into more of that planning, how much we want when we retire and all that. So that's the next step. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Okay. I have some rapid fire questions. Let's do it. So don't think about them too much. Okay. (laughs) Brain off. If you won the lottery today, would you take the lump sum or payments over 20 years? So funny. Greg and I just talked about this the other day. Like we would totally take the lump sum. Like who knows you could die in a few days. Like why would you? No. Yeah. Lump sum for sure. And then you can invest it and make all that money anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, um, real estate or 401k? Oh, I mean, right now 401k, but I really want to get into real estate. I would love to do more real estate. (laughs) (laughs) If you could have one superpower, what would it be? I think flying. I've always really wanted to be able to like, just float in the air and like, (laughs) just look down. And I don't know, it sounds so fun. So Tinkerbelly. Yeah. (laughs) what's one thing in your house that's like old AF that you need to replace, but you just haven't yet? (laughs) Um, probably our dresser, I guess (laughs) we just moved. So most stuff is actually quite new here. And, uh, but that dresser is really old. It's from Greg's growing up. He had it as a child. (laughs) (laughs) If someone offered you a free private jet or five-star hotel stays for life? Ooh, I would do the private jet. (laughs) Go anywhere at any time. And what would your definition of life-changing money be? Ooh, um, gosh, that's a great question. Um, Probably a lump sum handed to me of like, I don't know, maybe like $5 million um, just all at once. Cause then I could go invest and do all sorts of fun things with it. I mean, I wouldn't mind more. I'd be like 10, 20 million. I'll take hey. it. <laughs> Either, any of those would be pretty life-changing. Cause yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and yeah, providing all of your awesome insights for coaches and keep changing the world. I will. Thank you. And I appreciate, yeah, you having me on. It's been really fun. Um, You asked some great questions. So looking forward to sharing this with my audience too. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life Changing Money. Don't forget to subscribe. And I would love if you left a review and shared it with your friends. See you next time.